Thank you for tuning in to the Mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stare down moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The Mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Welcome back to another episode of the Mile 40 Podcast. Today, I have Christopher LaMagna with me. Christopher is the executive chef at the Babylon Mercantile, a cooking school and shop in Babylon. Christopher's story is very, very deep. He's an ultra marathoner. His training runs, which he does on an almost daily basis, are usually 20 miles or longer. Takes a lot to set a flame that gets somebody to run 20 miles or more consistently. Um, For the second year in a row, most recently, Chris took on an ultra marathon about 130 miles, starting in Montauk all the way to New York City on foot. Chris, I'm sure there's a lot behind what got you to this point, and we're going to dive into all that. But first and foremost, thank you for joining me here today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Before we got on and recorded, you had told me that you had only started running recently and and during COVID. And, you know, a 130-mile ultra, I've been running now for several years. I've got almost eight marathons under my belt, uh, but I'm still very far away from considering hitting the 100-mile mark. Uh, And so let's dive into... um, Maybe before we talk about your story... Let's talk about the first time that you set out for a run. When was that? Yeah, um, I was at home. I I just said, I'm going to go out for a run. I walked outside. I ran maybe a block. I couldn't breathe. Um, and then after that block, I walked a little bit, ran a little bit, walked a little bit. And it just picked up from there every day. Uh, it was like, I'm going to add an extra block. Uh, and eventually, it turned into a mile. And then that mile turned into five miles. And then... I was doing 10 mile clips every day. It was kind of fun. So it was cool. Were you an athlete growing up? I wasn't an athlete growing up. I was actually kind of a heavy kid. Um, I, I was like high 200s. And yeah, I wasn't an athlete at all. Really? Um, and when it came to just your overall wellness, I mean, you're a chef, obviously, so you're around food a lot. Um, is nutrition top of mind for you or? you know, was that something that wasn't even, you know, a consideration for you growing up? So growing up, no, I grew up in an Italian household. We had (laughs) like chicken Parmesan heroes and uh, a lot of pasta, but for the past like four or five years, it's been predominantly plant-based and every so often a little bit of eggs and fish. Got it. Got got it. So, you know, one thing that that I know and that we're going to dive into here is that there's more to this story than the fact that you just kind of picked up on running, you know, in, in, in the midst of COVID. You told me at the time you were unemployed, correct? Yeah, I was uh, laid off from the restaurant for about a month and a half. Yeah. Got it. Um, and were you at the same restaurant at that time? I was at, uh, no, I was somewhere else at the time. And um, we were told to go home uh, on the, 
I think it was on a Tuesday and we had nothing to do. There was, you know, you just go home. It, it was weird. It, it was, uh, unexpected, I would say. Yeah. Got it. And, um, you know, that, that's when perhaps the experience of running entered your life. Um, but let's dive a little bit more into some of your background um, and how you even got yourself into that situation or not into that situation, but into becoming a chef. You grew up on Long Island. Is that correct? No, I grew up in Queens out in uh, College Point, New York. Got it. Um, can you give some background on your family? Yeah, my uh, father and my mom, they're hardworking people. They still work today. Um, I have a older sister, an older brother, and a younger sister as well. Yeah. Got it. Uh, so pretty big family. Um, and you were in the middle there. I'm the third. Yeah. The black sheep, they call me. So, yeah. Um, um and uh at what point did you decide you wanted to go down this route from a career perspective so i decided to go down the food career i ever since i was little so around like 12 years old i had my first job and it was at like carvel and from there i, I went into catering where there was a catering hall like one block down and i I cleaned floors, I washed dishes, I did everything. And uh, a couple of years after that, I ran into Chef Mario and he just like, he grabbed me and just taught me everything. It was pretty cool. And, and I just went from one restaurant to the next. And I always spent like a year or two at a restaurant, learned as much as I could. And once I felt like I couldn't learn anything else, I, I, I chose to move on. It's been great since then. So, from a culinary perspective, do you um, do you have any dreams of you know owning your own restaurant one day, or is there you know some sort of goal that you have in mind from a culinary perspective? You know, I as an overall goal when I took on that culinary journey, it was always to make another person happy. So. There was never a goal of opening up a restaurant or opening up a place. I mean, it would be great to open up a restaurant, yeah. but the overall goal was always to hand the person a plate of food and just to watch them smile. You know, if they're happy from eating it, my job's done. Like I, I could live the rest of my life just doing that. If it's my business or if it's um, a place where I'm currently employed and stuff like that, it's fine. It's all about the experience for sure. And, um, you know, I, I think that. That's one of the beautiful things about the hospitality world and, and the world that you live in is you really are um you are doing more than just, you know, sitting in front of a stove or behind an oven and, and cooking. You are you are bringing smiles to people's faces. Um and I want to kind of go even further into that and ask you where do you think that desire came from? You know, was that perhaps something a feeling that you said you grew up in an Italian household. Food was obviously important. Is that something that you know you perhaps grew up uh, being exposed to, whether it was your mother or your father, or was it something else within you that told you that your purpose here is to put a smile on other people's face? I think I've always been that type of person. I always wanted to give. Um, like if. Uh, if there was a person on the street cold, I'd hand them my jacket. You know, it's it, it's it's just who I am. I think I was born that way. Um, mm -hmm. My parents were still are uh, extremely great people. Like they, 
they would hand anything away. So I think I picked it up from them too. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, you know, I, I want to kind of make sure I take us in the direction of the show. I know that uh, we had spoken a little bit before around the premise of mile 40. And we talk about those moments in life where you bottom out. Um, and if I think about, again, what it takes to run 130 miles or even just to run 20 miles consistently, which I'd say 90%, 95% of the listeners maybe you know couldn't even relate to, um, there's a fire in you somewhere. Um, and I want to dig into that and, and, and talk about um, at what point in your life um, did perhaps you start to build the fuel uh, that probably carries you through uh, the majority of these runs? So the fuel is is always a personal um it's more of like a personal goal. So if anything in my past that um if I experienced any pain in my past or any uh personal issues, I would use that as fuel now. Uh and I view running as a positive outlet. So Rather than using anything that happened in my past for something that isn't positive, I chose to just put a pair of sneakers on and run forward with it. Which, uh, so I, I use anything from my past. Um, and even now, too, like if I have any issues now or if there's any stress in my life, I always put that towards the running. So my fuel is definitely um, anything that is uh, that's. Um, wrong happening in my life or or anything that usually you would look down to i use that for something positive got it you you've used your platform as a runner to raise a lot of money for the crisis center can you talk a little bit about that yeah so the long island crisis center i reached out to them about two years ago uh they have a 24-hour hotline seven days a week like if if you feel um any bit alone or if you want a person to talk to you just call there and there's people there all the time they'll answer the phone um and i thought it was very cool to find this place that's very like grassroots they're in a building like if a car drives by the whole building shakes it's it's very old um and it's just like a room of people who just are there for others uh i think that's where i became very connected with them and I wanted to raise money for them, uh, but really I wanted to raise awareness for mental health. So I called them up, asked them, and uh, they were cool. At first they thought I was joking. They were like 130 miles. I thought to Manhattan, like, is this a prank? I'm like, no, no. So, uh, and then from there, it was just great. They're, they're like family. They opened up very good. Yeah. Can you talk to me a little bit about your own mental health journey? Yeah. So. Um, COVID was a, a cool, I, I look at my struggles as, as a cool way of living because I'm able to, to just like take all my issues and face them. I look at them right in the eye and there's nowhere to run, you know, like you're, you're looking right at it. There's nothing that you can do. And, and um, I just chose to to face everything from my past and say, you know what, there's no more running from it. I'm going to run with it. So, uh, a big issue from my past was, um, 
my older brother, um, when I was younger, he molested me for about two to three years. And that's something that I buried for years. I, th- there was a time where I totally forgot about it. But once COVID happened and I didn't have uh, tickets going beep, 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 and I was uh, cooking every day. Um, once COVID happened, I didn't have anything in, in that way to like, um, to help me, um, kind of hide the past. So from there, I, it unraveled for like two weeks. It was probably the worst two weeks of my life because there was nothing to do and I didn't know how to handle it. And then I said, you know what, let's go for a walk. And when I was going for a walk, I ran a block, walked the block and it just grew from there. That's how I faced that. Yeah. I just want to take a minute to reflect on that because I feel I feel like you just shared something very personal um, and something that was with you for a while and, and, and something that you admittedly suppressed. And I feel like there's a lot of people out there listening to this and, you know, people who go through life normally on a day-to-day basis who maybe put things behind them um who have a lot to learn from just the last couple sentences that you shared uh around your journey with something that is truly impactful in ways that is unique to the individual right like everyone uh would handle experiences like that differently and i i applaud you for just owning your journey and for being a light for others and now using it to to help others um and that's very commendable and and something that's not easy to do by any stretch of the imagination and and not just from the fact that you are taking on these incredible runs that are physically very difficult to do but you are tackling uh mentally and emotionally uh a scar that several people out there may be going through something similar. Um, and I just want to say thank you for, you know, A, sharing and, and B, um, shedding a light on, on, your own, on your own journey. How long did you have it kind of bottled up for? It happened when I was like eight years old until about maybe 11 or 12. So I'm 30 now. <laughs> um, I started running three years ago, right? Yeah. So, so this was for a while, for a long time. And I think now that I look back and I reflect on those years in between, um, if I were to have had the opportunity that I had during COVID to look at my past and I had the mindset that I have now uh, to kind of go through it, I probably would have had a better life. Well, I don't want to say I would have had a better life, but... I would have understood what I was doing and probably enjoyed part of my life a little bit more. So if, uh, I don't know, if I can give any advice to anyone is that if you have something bottled up, you have to let it out. You have to face it and you don't have to let it out to another person. You can look in the mirror and let it out to yourself, you know? So I, I think it's what's within has to come out and, and, uh, whatever is inside, once it comes out, it's able to breathe. And once something's able to breathe, then, you know, it's able to be, you know, uh, it's able to be worked on. It's able to be looked at. It's, uh, 
as humans, we're, 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 or as, as people, we're expected to hold stuff in. We're expected to, to have this image, uh, look a certain way, smile when you don't want to smile. And, um, I think that's a lot of pressure. Well, for me, I, I, I can only speak for myself that that's a lot of pressure. So I just, I don't, I, I don't necessarily hold myself to a certain image anymore. Like if, uh, if I look this way today, I look this way today. And, and if the person across from me doesn't find it, um, appealing, then I don't really mind anymore. My, a lot of my life in between, I, I was always worried about how I looked and, mm-hmm. and was always worried about who I was with. And, and I, I didn't really spend time with, with a lot of people, no clubbing, no partying, no hanging out on the weekends. And I think a lot of that stems back to my childhood. Yeah. So if I would have let it out years ago, I would have enjoyed a little bit more of my life. If you know me, you know that I like to look good and feel good. As an endurance athlete who trains daily, I need my wardrobe to fit the mold. Roan creates performance-driven clothing for your active lifestyle. Each piece is designed for versatility and made with integrity to outfit you for an active life lived on your own terms. The Roan promise is to help you move forever forward. Use code MILE40 for 20% off online and in-store for new customers only. Visit www.rhone.com, that's Rhone spelled R-H-O-N-E, or find your local store and move forever forward starting today. Is the journey still ongoing? Like, I mean, just to give context to the listeners out there, for someone who might be going through something similar, who maybe hasn't hasn't addressed it yet or who's hesitant to address it yet. Can you give some context now that you've done a lot of the work to address it? It's not necessarily fully behind you, is it? Or is it something that's always going to be a part of you, but you now know how to where it goes in your in your pocket of of emotions of of your mental thought process? And, and your journey from here on out. Obviously, like it's probably impacting you in different ways now than it was over the last 20 years before you you addressed it head on. Can you speak a little bit to to where that part of your journey is now with you? Of course. I I believe um I am who I am now because of what's happened in my past. So I'm not saying if I had a choice to go back, would I do it all over again? No, I I wouldn't. Like, yeah. and now that I've faced it, I've worked through it, and I've run uh, along with it, like at my own pace per se. Um, I, it's always going to be a part of me. So it's it's hard to to explain, but for my older brother, I forgave him uh internally not face to face because um that's just the route that i chose um but internally i was freed once i forgave him i said you know what uh he probably didn't know what he was doing and i forgive him and i i hope he lives the best life i i hope he's happy and healthy and i i hope if he ever has a chance to have a family that, that he treats them with love and care and respect and I hope he is still in contact with my parents and that they have a good relationship and with my sisters as well. Um, and 
I think a part of that, just saying it now, is very freeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of just, it makes me a better person to forgive a person who's done bad. And it makes me understand, you know, nobody's perfect. People do make mistakes. I'm not saying that what he did was right, but. Yeah. Uh, so after going through it and forgiving and running all, all these miles, um, I still use part of it. Like if I'm in a pain cave, if I'm at mile 90 and, and I'm done, I'll think of my brother. It's sick. It, it's, it's a bad way to think, but that's me using this as a positive outlet and making it a positive thing. And I could have easily taken it and used it as a negative and, and have done bad. Yeah. So I think, um, whatever happens to us or what has ever happened to me, I'm choosing to, to use it for a positive outlet rather than doing anything bad to anyone. I'm going to do good with it. It's a true testimony to the incredible power of forgiveness and, and for, for yourself more than anything else. And, um, a lot of times people think forgiveness is about the other person and it's not, it's not about the other person. Forgiveness is the first step to moving forward um, for yourself. And so that was, it's, it's, I believe it's your choice to forgive them. It's their choice to forgive themselves and and their choice to forgive you too. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I don't necessarily want to leave this part of the conversation so quickly. I want to make sure that you have your space if there's anything else around this experience that that you want to share. But where I want to take this is I want to now kind of move back toward what you've been doing more recently. And I want to dig into, do you feel this is a responsibility now to empower others to address their own struggles in their own way, not necessarily in a way that you know, you're, you, you may think worked out for you. Um, because a lot of this, you know, when I go back to my platform and I think about mile 40 and what it represents, it's in those moments where you kind of unleash a superpower. You realize that you can face the darkest demons in your life, which clearly, you know, you're now doing and addressing in your own way in a very similar way. Um, on on your ultras and during your training runs, right? Uh, but the other thing that it does, and one of the other things that I really drive home is you unleash a purpose, right? Purpose is unleashed in your most uncomfortable moments, whether they're physical or emotional, because then you realize what your true potential is, what you're truly capable of. I bet you six years ago, you didn't think you could run 10 miles, let alone 100 miles. And then now you realize what you're truly capable of in in the treachery of you know the pain cave right of that ninety miles in uh, right uh, and so in my own experience I realized that mile forty that I have a purpose to show others that barriers can be broken or that whatever it is that they want to accomplish in life um, you know there are ways to tear down those obstacles. And and I want to give them my formula because all throughout my life, I held on to this formula of patience and perspective and purpose as being the, the tenors for me. Um, do you see something similar in your own experience around revealing a purpose? Because it appears like on, on the outside, 
you're living that purpose now. But let's confirm that for the audience and let's dive into that a little bit more around, you know, now you now that you are where you are, what can you say about your purpose here on this earth? Man, <laughs> my my um now that I've 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 opened up those doors and I've walked through them, now I stand on another side. And this side that I'm standing on is is um a side where i'm aware that people are watching i'm aware that people are around me and people have eyes and people are going to see every little thing that i do um if it's on a phone or if it's in person and that it's my job now to live my life as healthy as i can as happy as i can but to also show others who are watching who 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 choose to um that nothing is easy like you have to work hard for this so um if i post on my story i ran 18 miles today or ran 20 miles today or i ran 22 today like i know whoever's looking at that is going to say all right i got to get up and go for a run or i i have to go to the gym or or wow this guy's crazy or like just those little things that people see i I, I believe that's a purpose now. So to kind of set some sort of example that um, every day I, I'm pushing myself. So I could have easily sat on a couch and chose to not do anything. But I believe it's important to show others that even though you don't want to do it, you should do it. And it's also a purpose to make people happy and, and to, to just enjoy life and to not... Um, to dwell on any issues either and another purpose is to not stress stress is something you allow in so if you want to allow it in allow it in but you don't have to stress is under your control right it, it's, it's all about controlling the controllables um yeah and any conflicts from like my past i i, I think i explained it before but if there's any conflicts that are on uh, if there's no attention to a conflict if you just let it sit there, it's going to grow and grow and grow. It's like a seed planted in soil and rain. There's just a cloud over it and you're not aware of it. And there's no umbrella around nothing. And that seed just keeps growing, and growing, and growing and growing. And that problem that you decided to push to the side, it's going to grow and it's going to get stronger and stronger. And it's going to one day, it's going to get so big that if, if you don't have what it takes to face it it's going to be hard so you're better off looking at it right now while it's still a planted seed and it hasn't sprouted yet and just mm -hmm. going in and pull that seed out <laughs> you know I, I i as someone who who trains regularly um and who's running a lot and and, and keeping up a regimen i'm constantly leaning into my sources of motivation and inspiration. Almost all the time, I'm going back to, you know, the heart of my own journey. But then there are periods of time where I look in at someone such as yourself and your journey and I see what you're doing. And it quite frankly, fires me up to get out there myself. I want to ask you, do you have any external sources of motivation or inspiration now that you've kind of leaned into running? Uh, because I'm, I have to imagine, despite the fact that 
you know, you're doing tremendous feats from a physical perspective. And and what you're doing is borderline superhuman. I will say that. I have to say, you know, I'm sure there are moments where, aside from the pain cave, where you're thinking to yourself, man, like this is crazy. And you've got to be looking for some sort of other uh, motives or, or, um, uh, or products of inspiration for that matter. So is there anything externally that you kind of lean into for inspiration, whether it's um, someone you look up to or um, someone um, who you've, who you've read a lot about or, or, you know, a story or a journey outside of your own? Honestly, I'm not a very, I'm motivation. I isn't something that I look towards. I'm, I'm, I'm more of like a driven person. So drive is really the, the, um, drive is, is really everything that I'm using as far as like, if there's like an inspirational speech or, or if there's anything playing online, I don't even have headphones in half the time I'm running or more than that now. So it's more of, it's more of internal drive there. There isn't really much. I mean, there's some great books out there that, that people could read. And I do believe that there is a, 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 there is a use for all of that uh, to have a, like to push a person um, off from a spot. Or like, if you're in a regimen, like you said, and you just wake up one morning, like I do not want to move. but I do things like I put post-its everywhere, like all around my house. I have post-its on my bed, post-its on my floor, post-its on the ceiling, post-its on the window. Uh, and they just say small things like, um, if you don't do it now, uh, you're never going to do it. Uh, or um, there's actually one uh, up there and it says, if you don't finish what you started, then you'll be just like your brother. So uh, I let's go, let's go, man. I mean, just listening to you say that got me fired up because David Goggins, like that is some David Goggins shit right there. You know, he talks about the accountability mirror in his book. Can't hurt me. Same exact situation where you get the post-its up that wasn't written by somebody else. It it wasn't some sort of poetry. It's it's just black and white. And it's like, just get out there and do the damn thing. And if you don't, you're no better than the other person. Uh, and and that's all. That is the perfect answer to this question because this wasn't trying to dig for you know an author or an influencer or anything like that. But what you're doing is just truly special from a from a pure physical standpoint, right? And so. Um, what I try to get at in these kind of situations is the fact that hopefully you'd agree with me. It's 80% mental, 75% mental and 20, 25% physical. And you know, you got to drum up where that mental is coming from. Yeah. And a lot of that mental, there's another percentage it's rest. If you don't rest, you don't have a, like your body could keep going. That's one thing I've learned from this is your body can keep going, but if you don't rest, your brain is it's it's poo poo. Like it doesn't work. Like there's and I I say poo poo because that's exactly what it is. It's just it does not want to move. Your your brain, the strength that your brain needs to 
to understand what your body's going through, it takes a lot more energy than your body actually needs. Uh, for for me, it's it's I, I eat for my brain because my body could just keep going. It's more mental for me. So you're right, eighty percent, twenty percent. You know, one of the things I love about you, Chris, is like you're such a normal dude, right? And like the average person walking past you on the street is probably not going to know who you are. They're not no. going to know the burdens that you've carried. They're not going to know that you're knocking out, you know, 20 mile runs on the regular competing ultras over a hundred miles running from Montauk to New York city. Uh, I don't think you even really care that they don't know, but at the same time, um, you're truly like shining a light on the fact that there are so many normal individuals out there going through their lives doing extraordinary things um and um facing on their adversity head on um and and when i say head on i mean at the right place at the right time for them um and and you're a true shining example of that and and so i want to make sure you know that and you hear that from me i'm extremely proud to have someone like you on, on the show and um i, I want to say thank you for that Thank you. I'm 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 happy you had me on. This is great. Yeah. You got it, man. Um, you know, before we close things out, I want to give you the floor for just a couple of minutes, or you know, whatever is appropriate um, around uh, what you have on deck right now when it comes to some of your running goals. Um, and if you can give us some advice, right? You're you're a chef. You've been in the kitchen for a while, and you're doing tremendous things from a physical perspective. Uh, Give us some advice from uh, how you fuel uh, around this. All right. Um, so upcoming races, I have uh, a hundred miler up in Virginia. Uh, and then in January, um, I don't know the exact dates yet, but I'm doing the on talk to Manhattan run again. And then I do this one run. It's 888K, which is uh, 551 miles. Uh, this is up in Vermont. Uh, I, I attempted it last year. I only got 312 miles of it. Um, but I'm doing that again in May. So that's that. That's my lineup right now. Um, and as far as fueling, uh, eat when your body tells you to eat is really what I'm going to say. I don't do the three meals a day, six meals a day. I have to eat this. I need to take a picture of this. I don't do macros. I eat predominantly plant-based and I eat when I want to eat. If I want to eat at midnight, I eat at midnight. If I want to eat at, at 1 a.m., eat at 1 a.m. Sometimes I'll fast. Sometimes I won't. I drink a lot of water um, and I keep it simple. Uh, that's what my mom taught me. So I'm just going to keep doing that. She always said, keep it simple, stupid. And and that oh. that's, that's a uh, kiss all the way down, you know? So uh, during a race, though... I'll throw anything in my body that I can, but I won't do anything like, like I see guys eating big sandwiches. They eat like rice and beans. They're eating a lot of fiber. And I'm thinking in my head, hip, sip, and nibble, nibble, which means like eat just a little bit, drink just a little bit, eat just a little bit, drink just a little bit. I'm a snacker. at uh, So during races, I'm just snacking Cheez-Its, a little Coca-Cola here and there and stuff like that. It just keeps me going. Yeah. Small little treats here and there is like the best way. You have to be comfortable and happy, but you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable too. So that's yeah, good. 
I love that, man. That is quite honestly the perfect way to end this episode. Um, we covered so much in such little time. To the listeners out there, take a look at Chris. Follow his story. Chris, are you still fundraising? Uh, yeah, it'll start in January. If you follow me on Instagram, uh, Chef Christopher La Magna, L-A-M-A-G-N-A, you, you'll find me on there. And I usually post stuff on Instagram about it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 to the listeners again, just just lean into this. Chris was recommended to me uh, by a mutual friend. We didn't know each other prior to this recording. I looked up his story. I read the news articles. I saw that there was something that was really special about him. But in speaking to him, the one thing that truly stands out, Chris, is you're just as normal as they come, man. You're you're like so so special. Uh, for the fact that you are an example of you are owning who you are as a person. You are yourself day in and day out and you are leaning into your own lessons in order to inspire others. So thank you so much for coming on today. It was a pleasure to have you on and and I can't wait for the audience to uh, lean into this episode. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile 40 Podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review, and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the Mile 40 family. And let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.